ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سكنتينيوينغ ويز بلوغ المرام وبالحافظ ابن حجر رحمه الله تعالى منوات الحديث اب ابو هريره رضي الله عنه عن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا اشتد الحر فابردوا بالصلاه فان شده الحر من فيح جهنم متفق عليه in this hadith abu huraira radiyallahu anhu says that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said if the heat becomes extensive or the heat becomes too much then cool yourselves with regards to the prayer cool yourselves with the prayer the understanding will come clear in the hadith if it becomes very hot then cool yourselves regarding the prayer and if uh, for indeed the extremity of the heat it is from the boiling of the hellfire so what does this particular narration mean what's the english when it is hot delay the zahar prayer till it cools down for the intensity of the heat is from the So the actual wording of it is اشتد الحر if the heat becomes a lot it becomes heavy it becomes intense then cool yourselves down regarding the prayer فأبردوا بالصلاة but what does that mean that will become clear in the explanation now because indeed the severity of the heat it is from the uh, boiling of the hellfire the hadith is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim so if it becomes too hot if the heat becomes intense obviously referring to the months of summer in the months of summer if the heat becomes too much if it becomes intense فَأَبْرِدُوا بِالصَّلَاةِ then cool yourselves with a prayer the prayer the meaning of it here is the dhuhr prayer لِأَنَّهَا هِيَ الَّتِي تُؤَدَّى فِي شِدَّةِ الْحَرِّ because the dhuhr prayer that's the one that is prayed in the intense heat in the middle of the day or just past the middle of the day when the sun has just Uh, moved away from the zenith then that is the hottest point of the day that is what we refer to here the dhuhr prayer abridu cool yourselves make yourselves cool with the dhuhr prayer how meaning delay the dhuhr prayer from the beginning time to the later time abridu ay akhiruha an awwali waqtiha ila waqt albarad delay the dhuhr prayer from the first time and the first time is When is the beginning time for you to be able to pray dhuhr? Just after the sun has gone beyond the zenith, the meridian, the peak point of the sky. That is the beginning time of dhuhr. That is when the heat is going to be intense. In the hadith it says, if that heat becomes too intense at that time, it is too much to handle, to bear, then delay the dhuhr prayer. to a later time because the dhuhr prayer can be prayed all the way up until when the shadow is equal to itself so it starts from just after the zenith all the way up until when the shadow becomes equal to itself at which point at which point the asr begins 
So the Shaykh says, وَقَدْ تَقَدَّمَ لَنَا أَنَّ صَلَاةَ الظُّهْرِ يَبْدَأُ وَقْتُهَا بِزَوَالِ الشَّمْسِ The Shaykh says, uh, Shaykh Salih Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, that we've already mentioned, it's already preceded, that the dhuhr prayer, its time starts when the sun goes beyond the peak point. It starts to set, basically. It's gone past the middle point of the day. وَيَسْتَمِرُّ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَصِيرُ ذِلُّ شَيْءٍ مِثْلَهُ بَعْدَ فَيْءِ الزَّوَالِ And that time for the dhuhr continues up until the shadow of something becomes equal to it after that meridian. وَالْأَفْضَلُ تَقْدِيمُ صَلَاةِ الظُّهْرِ فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا and the best thing to do is to pray the dhuhr prayer at the beginning of its time. إِلَّا فِي وَقْتِ شِدَّةِ الْحَرِّ فَإِنَّ الْأَفْضَلَ تَأْخِيرُهَا حَتَّى يَنْكَسِرُ الْحَرِّ Except if there is intense heat. If there is intense heat, then it is preferred to delay that prayer uh, closer to the time when the afternoon is coming and the heat is decreasing somewhat. Then it is better to pray it at that time. Uh, so that the heat will decrease at the time when you pray. ثُمَّ عَلَّلَ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ ذَلِكَ بِقَوْلِهِ Then the Prophet ﷺ explained the reason for that. The reason why if there was intense heat at the time of dhuhr, then you should delay it to a later time, still within the time of dhuhr, of course though. The reasoning for that, فَإِنَّ شِدَّةَ الْحَرِّ مِنْ فَيْحِ جَهَنَّمْ because indeed the intensity of heat is from the boiling of the hellfire. أي إن شدة الحر في الصيف من فيح جهنم والفيح المراد به الغليان فإن النار والعياذ بالله تغلي وتفور بالحرارة. So the hellfire, the Sheikh says, we seek refuge in Allah. That the hellfire it boils, and from that boiling, this intense heat emanates. وَقَدْ أَخْبَرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنَّهَا اشْتَكَتَ النَّارُ إِلَى رَبِّهَا مِنْ شِدَّةِ مَا فِيهَا مِنَ الْحَرَارَةِ وَالْبُرُودَةِ And it's mentioned from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that the fire uh, complained to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding what is within it in terms of intense heat and cold. فَأَذِنَ اللَّهُ لَهَا بِنَفَسَيْنِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permitted it to have two uh, two angles, two perspectives, two different aspects. Nafasin fi saif, one for the summer, and that is the heat. tajiduna min al the heat, the intense heat that you find in the summer, and that is from the hellfire. Wa nafasin min shita, and one breath regarding the winter. tajiduna min al bard, and that is the severity of the cold that you find in the winter. As for the name Jahannam, then Ash-Shaykh Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, mentions one of the reasonings as, <coughs> as to why Jahannam is called Jahannam. Some of the scholars have mentioned that Jahannam, it is taken from the word Jahuma. Well, Jahuma, hiya dhulama. It is the darkness, uh, the dhulma, the darkness. So Jahannam as some of the scholars have explained, that word Jahannam is derived from the word which indicates darkness, pits of darkness. And in reality, the Shaykh says, the fire, it is darkness. You're not going to find any light within that fire. And some of them have said, actually, it's not even an Arabic word. It is a non-Arabic word in its origin, the word Jahannam. But that is one of the names of the fire, along with other names, uh, Al-Saqar, Al-Hawiyah, Al-Sa'ir, 
many other names for the hellfire. So this hadith then, what are the benefits from it? Or what are the issues within it? Al-mas'alatul ula, the first issue. يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْأَصْلَ فِي صَلَاةِ الظُّهُرْ أَن تُصَلَّ فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا It indicates that the origin of the dhuhr prayer is to pray at the beginning of the time. How does it indicate that? Here we're talking about delaying the dhuhr prayer. So how does the hadith indicate that actually the origin is to pray it at the beginning of the time? Exactly, because this is like an exception that's given. This is a type of exception from the origin. The exception is, if it's really hot, if it's intense, then delay it. But otherwise, the origin is that you should pray the dhuhr prayer at the beginning of the time. So the hadith indicates that the basis for the dhuhr prayer is to be prayed at the beginning of the time. Uh, but it also indicates, أَنَّهُ عِنْدَ اشْتِدَادِ الْحَرِّ الْأَفْضَلْ تَأْخِيرُ صَلَاةِ الظُّهْرِ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْكَسْرَ الْحَرِّ But in times of intense heat, then it is preferred to delay the dhuhr prayer until that heat it decreases. لِمَا فِي ذَلِكَ مِنَ الرِّفْقِ بِالْمُسْلِمِينَ Because <coughs> within that is kindness, is kindness to the believers, kindness to the congregation that is going to be praying. There's an issue here though, because there are some hadith which indicate that the companions they used to pray in the actual heat. There are narrations that indicate the companions did not used to delay their prayer. And they used to pray at the time of the heat. So there are some narrations the Shaykh says, وَرَدَتْ أَحَدِيثِ بِأَنَّ الصَّحَابَةَ وَفِي حديث في حَدِيثٍ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُصَلُّونَ مَعَ نِفْسَ سَلَّمْ فَإِذَا لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ أَحَدُهُمْ وَضْعُ جَبْهَتِهِ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ مِنْ شِدَّةِ الْحَرْفِ فَإِنَّهُ يَضَعَ الطَّرَفَ فَوْبِهِ وَيَسْجُدُ عَلَيْهِ it's mentioned that they used to pray in extreme heat to the extent that if one of them was not able to put his forehead onto the ground because of the extreme heat of the ground, then they would take a part of their clothing and put their foreheads on that clothing because it was difficult and extremely uh, painful to put the forehead onto the heat of the ground. So these types of narrations indicate that they used to pray in the heat. Whereas this narration says, don't do that. If it is intense heat, then delay the prayer. So how do we combine these two different types of narrations that we find in the sunnah? One of them here, as we have this hadith in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim saying, delay the dhuhr prayer in intense heat. These other narrations indicating that they used to pray in intense heat, to the extent that if they couldn't put their foreheads on the floor, they'd put some cloth from their clothing there, and put their prostration onto that, their forehead onto that. The shaykh says there is no contradiction between these narrations, because in reality... Uh, it's difficult to understand in this country, but in other countries, if you've been to Saudi Arabia, for example, the time of Dhuhr, even just before Asr, even just before Asr, maybe half an hour before Asr, 40 minutes before Asr, if you were to go out and try to put your hand on the sand, it would still burn. It is still extremely hot, even just before Asr, in those types of countries where the heat is of that nature. So here, that's what it means, that even when they used to delay it sometimes, it still used to be so hot that these kinds of narrations are mentioned about their clothing and about the companions uh, mentioning this to the Prophet ﷺ concerning the heat. That was even though they had delayed, it was still so hot, but obviously less than what it would have been if they'd have prayed at the beginning of the time for dhuhr. And that is what the Shaykh says is one way to combine between these evidences. That these narrations that indicate they were praying in the heat, 
Yes, that's true. Because even if they delayed it later on, it would still actually be reasonably hot. But it would be less than at the beginning of the time for Dhuhr. And so the Prophet ﷺ had uh, mentioned to them, had uh, mentioned this hadith that don't pray at the beginning of the time, but rather delay it then so that the heat does decrease to some extent, even though it might still be hot closer to Asr. Al-Mas'ala al-Thalitha, the third issue which is mentioned in this hadith is the source of heat. في الحديث بيان لمصدر الحرارة In the hadith is the explanation for the source of heat وَهُوَ أَنَّهُ مِنْ جَهَنَّمْ And that is that this heat it is from the hellfire فَيَدُلُّ عَلَى وُجُودِ النَّارِ So this indicates the existence of the hellfire وَأَنَّهَا مَخْلُوقَ الْآنِ And that it is already created now That is the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah that the hellfire and paradise they exist right now in opposition to some of the groups of innovation and those who deviated, who claimed that the hellfire and paradise have not been created yet. This was their claim. They said the day of accountability is the day of judgment at the end of time. That's when hellfire and paradise are going to be needed. Once the accountability has been done, and it's been decided who will go into which part, then that's when they will be needed. When the accountability is done, the people are actually going to enter them. As for now, why do we need them now? They're not created now. That was the claim of some of the groups of innovation, in a nutshell. But the reality is, as the Shaykh says, the belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that the hellfire and paradise, they exist right now. They have been created. And one of the easiest evidences to remember for that is the ayat in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the hellfire and paradise. In those ayat or certain ayat of the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the hellfire and paradise, He speaks about them in the past tense. The verbs used in Arabic are past tense verbs. I.e. indicating that these actions have already occurred. For example, And fear the fire which has been prepared, past tense, for the disbelievers. In the Quran it doesn't say, fear the fire which is going to be prepared for you on the day of judgment. Rather it says, fear that fire which has been prepared, past tense. So the scholar said the Qur'an is clear that the verbs used are past tense verbs. Therefore indicating that the fire and the paradise are already created. And that is one of the easiest evidences amongst many others to prove that the fire and hellfire, the hellfire and paradise are both created and they exist now. And that's why the Shaykh says therefore that the heat that you find in the summer and the coldness that you find in the winter, then it's mentioned that those are from the origins of the hellfire. Uh, <coughs> and the Shaykh mentions a narration concerning one of the companions or some of the companions that they heard something fall. On one occasion they were sitting and they heard something fall. لهم, so the Prophet said to them, Do you know what this is? This sound that you've heard of this falling. They said, Allah and His Messenger know best. Clearly, as we've mentioned before, whilst the Prophet ﷺ was alive, then they would say, Allahu wa Rasuluhu A'lam. After the death of the Prophet ﷺ and the end of the revelation, then it is to be said, Allahu A'lam. So they said, Allah and His Messenger knows best. He said to them, Wasallam. هَذَا حَجَرٌ رُمِيَ بِهِ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمْ مُنْذُ سَبْعِينَ خَرِيفًا الْآنَ وَصَلَ إِلَى قَعْرِهَا 
hadith in Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet said to them then, that that is a stone or a rock that was thrown into the Jahannam 70 years ago. Kharifa, some of the scholars have said, means years. 70 years ago, and only now it's reached the pits of the hellfire. So this rock has been falling for all of that time period, and only now it's reached the pits of the hellfire. And that is regarding this hadith, the clear benefit from that is, that the dhuhr is to be prayed at the beginning time, however in intense heat, then it is correct to delay that prayer uh, within its time still, but to a later time when the heat has decreased. The next hadith, عن رافع ibn Khadij, رضي الله عنه قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, أصبحوا بالصبح فإنه أعظم لأجوركم. رواه الخمسة وصححه الترمذي وابن حبان رافع ابن خديج in this hadith رضي الله عنه he says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said أصبحوا بالصبح offer the morning prayer at dawn فإنه أعظم لأجوركم because that is greater for your reward pray the fajr prayer at dawn because that is greater for your reward. The hadith seems to indicate that the fajr prayer should be delayed. Pray the fajr prayer, asbihu bis-subhi, at the dawn. The dawn is at the end, when the sun is about to rise. So this hadith indicates that the fajr prayer should be delayed. And that the one who does that, فَإِنَّهُ أَعْذَمُ لِأُجُورِكُمْ That the reward is greater for doing that. So the apparent meaning of the hadith is that you delay the fajr prayer. Just like some other narrations, أَسْفِرُوا بِالْفَجْرِ أَسْفِرُوا Again, the lightness that appears. So in that narration it says, أَسْفِرُوا بِالْفَجْرِ Meaning pray the fajr prayer at the end time when the lightness is about to appear. These types of narrations, they indicate that the fajr prayer should be delayed. That's what they apparently seems to indicate. And some of the scholars, the Hanafiya, for example, they took these types of narrations and that's why you see them praying the Fajr prayer so late. However, there are several narrations that we've already mentioned at the beginning of this particular chapter, which indicated that it was from the Sunnah to pray the Fajr prayer early. That we've already mentioned from the previous narrations. And there was the Hadith, وَالنَّاسُ لَا يَكَادُ وَالنَّاسُ لَا يَكَادُ يَعْرِفُ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا And the people, they would barely be able to recognize each other. يَعَنِي عِنْدَ دُخُولِ نَفْسَ سَلَّمْ فِي صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ Meaning when they used to enter the masjid for the prayer, when the Prophet ﷺ used to enter in the morning for the prayer, it was so dark they could barely recognize each other. كَانَ يُسَلِّيهَا بِغَلَسْ In the narration also that he used to pray it in the darkness. So all of those narrations that we've already mentioned, and there was the narration which said that the companions, they used to uh, leave from the masjid, That they used to exit from the mosque, from the masjid, when they could recognize each other. So at the end of the prayer, because of its length, and how the Prophet ﷺ used to pray it, in slow recitation, in accurate recitation, lengthily, then when they used to leave, by that time, then they could recognize each other, because light had started to appear. Whereas the beginning time of the prayer was in darkness. So all of those narrations that went by before, they indicate that the sunnah is to pray fajr early. 
at the beginning of the time. But this narration here seems to indicate that it is the sunnah to delay it and pray it late as possible towards the end of the time. So what is the answer to this then? فالجمهور فالجمهور حملوه على أن المراد به أنهم تأكدوا من طلوع الفجر لأن بعض الناس قد يستعجل فيصلي قبل أن يطلع الفجر لذا فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول أصبحوا يعني لا تصلوا حتى يدخلوا الإسباح وهو الفجر الثاني The majority of the scholars have said that these narrations the jumhur, the majority they say that the purpose of them is the meaning of them is, the intent of them is as an affirmation and as a means of indicating to you that you need to make certain that the time for Fajr has entered. Remember we said there was the false Fajr, when the light it comes out in a horizontal way. And then after that, that disappears. It becomes dark again. Then after that, there's the light which spreads across the horizon. That is the second Fajr, the accurate Fajr, the correct Fajr. So these narrations that are indicating that pray your Fajr prayer with the dawn, not literally delayed right to the end. Combine them with the other narrations and what it indicates therefore is that be certain that the second Fajr has come, that you are approaching now the time of dawn soon to come. Don't hasten to such a degree that you end up praying it after the first Fajr, the false Fajr, and the actual Fajr hasn't even come yet. So these types of narrations, the scholars, they said, the purpose of them is to indicate and to clarify that you should be certain the second Fajr has come, that that time has actually entered, not literally to go and pray right at the end of the time. And in that way, by having this explanation, there is a combination between the evidences. And that is what the scholars, they say. When you find narrations that apparently seem to indicate different things, then one of the first things that you attempt to do is to combine between them. Combine between the narrations rather than taking some of them and uh, uh, leaving some of them. If it's not possible in any way to combine between the narrations, then you can look at other things like abrogation or which is stronger, which is weaker, etc. Those types of things can be looked at, but if they are all authentic generally, then the best way is to try to combine between them. So this is how the scholars, they combine between them. Now these narrations are simply indicating that you should make sure the second Fajr has come in before you pray your Fajr prayer. That's the meaning of pray your Fajr with the dawn. I.e. that the second Fajr, the proper Fajr has come in. The time has entered. وَخُلَاسَةُ الْقَوْلِ بِأَنَّ صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ يَدْخُلُ فِيهَا مُبَكِّرًا فِي أَوَّلِ وَقْتِهَا In summary, as Shaykh Salih Al-Fawzan says, in summary, then the Fajr prayer should be prayed at the beginning, early. At the beginning of the time, وَيُمَدَّدُ فِيهَا بِالْقِرَاءَةِ And that you recite in it uh, lengthily. You extend the recitation. وَلَا يَنْصَرِفُ مِنْهَا إِلَّا بَعْدَ الْإِسْفَارِ وَمَعْرِفَةُ النَّاسِ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا And that a person doesn't end up leaving until the light does appear. Light starts to appear and people can recognize each other. That's what the companions and the prophets used to do. That they would pray the prayer lengthily, elongated to the extent that when they left, the light was appearing. So that is regarding the Fajr prayer, the summary that it is to be prayed early at the beginning time and not to be delayed. But that a person must make sure that the second Fajr has entered. The next hadith, وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من أدرك من الصبح ركعة قبل أن تطلع الشمس فقد أدرك الصبح ومن أدرك ركعة من العصر قبل أن تغرب الشمس 
فقد أدرك العصر متفق عليه حديث زين البخاري مسلم حديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه he says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever catches one raka'ah from the fajr prayer before the sun rises then he has caught that prayer the prayer is correct and accurate and he's caught it and whoever catches one raka'ah of the asr prayer before the sun sets as long as he's caught one raka'ah then that prayer is correct he has caught the asr prayer correctly and the hadith is in al-Bukhari a Muslim also the narration after that which combines with this one the narration of Muslim from Aisha radiallahu anha uh, he said sajdatan whoever catches a prostration whoever catches the prostration before the sun rises or the prostration of Asr before the sun sets then they have caught the Fajr and the Asr prayer correctly however in the actual narration itself there is a tafsir of that word and it says badal raka'a the word prostration is used instead of raka'a was sajda innama hiya raka'a but the intended purpose of that word prostration in this narration is the raka'ah. So there's no contradiction at all in the first place. The second narration is explained in of itself. That the meaning of the word sajda is raka'ah. So therefore the conclusion is that a person who catches the raka'ah before the sun rises, then his fajr is within the time and accurate. And a person who catches a raka'ah of the asr prayer before the uh, sun sets, then it's accurate. Looking at the explanation now then, تقدم في الأحاديث السابقة أن وقت صلاة الصبح يبدأ من طلوع الفجر. It's already been mentioned in previous narrations that the time for the fajr prayer it begins at the uh, the the dawn break, the correct dawn break, the correct fajr. ويستمر إلى أن تطلع الشمس. And it continues up until the sun actually rises. Up until the sun rises, then the fajr prayer extends up until that time. So. The time for the Fajr is in between the two dawn breaks. In between the two dawn breaks. You have the false dawn break at the beginning, where the light goes up horizontally, leave that. It goes dark after it. Then you have the accurate dawn break, where lightness begins to appear across the horizon. That's the time for Fajr beginning. From there, it carries on to the physical dawn break, where the sun rises. So from the second dawn break, where the light goes across the horizon, the true dawn break up until the physical dawn break of the sun rising in between those two times is the time for Fajr. So whoever prays in between those two times, then his prayer is correct and accurate. Uh, also the Shaykh says, we mentioned that the Fajr prayer should be prayed at the beginning of its time and that the people they used to enter the masjid, they couldn't recognize each other and when they used to be leaving, then they could recognize each other. وَبِمَا أَنَّ الْمُسْلِمَ مُرْتَبِطٌ بِجَمَاعَةٌ فَلَا بُدَّ لَهُ مِنْ أَنْ يُؤَدِّيَهَا مَعَ الْجَمَاعَةٌ And the shaykh says, a Muslim, he should, he is connected to the jama'ah, he is connected to the congregation, therefore he should be praying his prayer in the congregation. And so if a person was to delay the fajr prayer, if an individual was to delay the fajr prayer, then there are two, <coughs> two issues that arise for that person. The one who delays the Fajr prayer. Firstly, he misses the Jama'ah. Because the Jama'ah in the Masjid should be praying at the beginning time. So the one who misses that Jama'ah at the beginning time and instead prays at the end time at home, then the first issue is he's missed the Jama'ah and the extra reward of praying in the Jama'ah. The second issue is uh, that he has missed out 
on following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Because the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it is to pray at the beginning time, and that is the virtuous time. So he misses out on implementing that sunnah, at the same time he misses out on the reward of praying in the congregation. However, having said that, if an individual did miss the jama'ah for example, and he stayed at home for whatever reason, and he delayed the prayer till the last time, just before Fajr is about to end and he prays it, within the time, then the prayer, the ruling on that prayer is that it's correct and it's accepted. The prayer is accurate, it's correct, it's accepted. Because at the end of the day, he has prayed it within the legitimate time. Even though like we said, he's missed out on the reward of the congregation, he's missed out on implementing the sunnah, but the prayer in essence is correct, as long as he prays it within the time. However, the shaykh says, he is sinful for leaving the jama'ah. He's sinful for leaving the jama'ah. And like we said, he's missed out on implementing the sunnah, in praying it at the beginning. But this hadith, the hadith of Abu Huraira, indicates that if a person was to catch one raka'ah of the fajr prayer before the sun rises, then that prayer of his <coughs> is correct and accurate. He has performed the prayer correctly because he has just about caught the legitimate time for it. If a person catches the one raka'ah, he gets up just before the fajr time is about to end. Just before sunrise, he gets up and he manages to pray one raka'ah. After praying one raka'ah, the sun has, has, has arisen now. The time is finished. So what does he do with his second raka'ah? Quite simply, the shaykh says he just finishes it off then. The second raka'ah, he just finishes it off, even though technically now the time is gone. But because his first raka'ah, it was within the time, the ruku'ah, it was caught within that first, uh, within the legitimate time, therefore the second one is attached to it, and the whole prayer is correct. That's the same with al-asr. مَنْ أَدْرَكَ رَكَعَةً مِنْ الْعَصَرِ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَغْرَبُ الشَّمْسِ فَإِنَّهُ يَكُونُ مُدْرِكًا لَهَا أَدَاءً وَلَكِنَّهُ يُكْمِنُ الصَّلَاءَ أَرْبَعَ رَكَعَةً بَعْدَ أَنْ تَغْرَبُ الشَّمْسِ If a person caught one raka'ah of the asr prayer, right at the end, just before sunset, he catches one raka'ah, manages to pray one. After he's prayed one, he gets up to pray the second, and now the time is gone, he starts hearing the adhan for Maghrib. Maghrib time has begun. So now the other three raka'at are technically outside of the time, but they are attached to his first raka'ah. He caught one raka'ah within the time, therefore his prayer, all of it is accepted and correct. The shaykh says, we highlight that, we highlight that in case some of the individuals ignorantly may read these types of narrations, as the scholars have said, knowledge is not just from books. An individual who makes books his source of knowledge without returning to the scholars is going to end up with many misguidances. So if a person read this hadith, it's possible to the minds of some who don't have the comprehension, they may think that if I catch one raka'ah before sunrise, then that's all I'm allowed to pray. I pray one for fajr and that's it, that's all I'm able to do now. The time is finished, how can I pray my second raka'ah? If I catch one raka'ah of asr and then the sun sets, that's it, I just have to give salam after one, that's the best I could do. The time finished. That would be an incorrect understanding and a lack of comprehension. The shaykh says to highlight, you complete the prayer afterwards, outside of the time now. But it is linked to the first part of your prayer, the first raka'ah which was within the time.
We've also, <coughs> we've also said before about the Asr prayer, that the time for the Asr begins when the shadow of something is equal to its size. It begins at that time, and it ends when the shadow of something is twice that size. Then there was a small portion of time left from the point when the shadow of an object is twice its size to the sunset, to the actual sunset, to Maghrib. There's a small section left at the end. That we mentioned, some of the scholars said, you can pray Asr in that time, but only if it was necessity. Some of the scholars, they call that Waqtu Durura. That technically you pray before the time ends, which is technically when the shadow is twice the size of its object. After that, there's still a little bit of time left before Maghrib starts. That small part of time which is left, the scholars, some of the scholars they mentioned, they call it the time of necessity. If for some reason, out of uh, circumstances, whatever they may be, you haven't prayed yet, then you can use that time of necessity to pray, and that's how you understand these narrations. Because then otherwise, we would say, how do you combine those? Here the hadith is talking about somebody catching just one raka'ah, and then Maghrib starts. Therefore, obviously they're praying after the shadow is twice the size of the object. But then we say it's out of necessity. If an individual prayed in that time due to circumstances, out of necessity, and he caught one raka'ah, then he has caught the prayer. <coughs> and so the shaykh says, وَقْتُ ضُرُورَ لَا يَجُوزْ تَأْخِرُ صَلَاةِ إِلَيْهِ إِلَّا لِضُرُورَ That time of necessity, it is not permissible to delay the prayer to that time of necessity, except if you actually have a necessity. Without necessity, then it's not permissible to delay the prayer to that time. And use evidences like this and say, well, if you catch a raka'ah, I've caught the prayer. Correct. But out of necessity. That's what many of the scholars have said. If out of necessity you end up in that time, then as long as you catch one raka'ah, then your prayer is correct. And the second narration, the one who catches the prostration, as long as he catches the prostration from the raka'ah, he's caught that prayer, then that narration, as we've said, the narrator himself explains within the narration, the meaning of it is, is the raka'ah, is the raku'ah. So what can we benefit from these narrations then? Al-Mas'ala Al-Ula The first issue That the time for Fajr It extends or it is From the second dawn break The second Fajr The correct Fajr The true Fajr When the light goes across the horizon Up until the physical dawn break of the sun rising In between those two times As long as the sun doesn't start rising yet And the light has appeared across the horizon The true Fajr in between that is the time for Fajr. Secondly, the Asr prayer is continued up until something is twice the size of its object. Uh, the Asr time is carried on up until something is twice the size of its object. The shadow is twice the size of its object. But it can be continued up until Maghrib in that necessity. And in that case, if a person did pray it in that necessity and he caught one raka'ah before the actual time exits, then his prayer is correct. Thirdly, دَلَّ الْحَدِيثِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الصَّلَاةَ لَا تُدْرَكُ أَدَاءً إِلَّا بِإِدْرَاكِ رَكَعَ مِنْهَا قَبْلَ خُرُوجِ الْوَقْتِ The hadith indicate that, therefore, if a person didn't even catch one raka'ah before the time exited, he didn't even catch one raka'ah before the time exited, therefore his prayer is now not the correct performance of his prayer. He's not praying it outside of the time. He hasn't prayed that prayer in its time. He hasn't caught that prayer in its legitimate time. 
if he doesn't manage to catch even one raka'ah before the time exits. So a person who catches less than that, then he hasn't caught the prayer. Somebody does the takbir, starts praying, straight away he is the adhan for maghrib. He hasn't even got to his raka'ah, nothing. He's done nothing yet. So now that person has caught, he started the prayer, he's done his takbir, but straight away the time is finished. So he hasn't even caught one raka'ah within the time that prayer isn't or hasn't been prayed accurately and properly or performed within its legitimate time now. So that person is outside of the correct performance and obedience of the prayer uh, from that time. And this is the statement of the majority of the scholars, uh, the Jumhur, who uh, mentioned that. There are some scholars though, there are some scholars who mentioned, that is the majority like we've just said, catch one raka'ah at least. Some scholars though, they mentioned, وَذَهَبَتْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنَ الْعُلْمَاءِ لَأَنَّهُ تُدْرَكُ بِإِدْرَاكِ تَكْبِيرَةِ الْإِحْرَامِ That as long as a person does the takbir, Allahu Akbar, as long as he does that before the time exits, then the whole of the prayer is within the time. They say because your prayer starts with Allahu Akbar, the takbir. That's when your prayer starts. So now you've technically started your prayer in the time. Time hasn't finished yet. You said Allahu Akbar and you've entered into the prayer. When did you enter into the prayer? When the time was still legitimate, even if it was just a few seconds. So therefore they say the whole of your prayer is correct and accurate, because you began the prayer, you entered into the prayer, whilst you were still in the legitimate time, even if it was just Allahu Akbar. So some of the scholars took this opinion. However, like we said, the majority of the scholars, they are of the opinion that it must be a raka'ah, because of these narrations that we've just read. That it must be at least a raka'ah, in order for you to consider that you have actually caught that prayer in its correct time. There's another issue, the final issue that we'll mention. <coughs> the Shaykh says there is one more issue that is linked to this affair. And that is, what if a person, he intended to pray the Asr prayer and the time starts. The time for Asr has begun. The shadow of everything is now equal to its size and it's moving onwards and the time for Asr has begun. Maybe between the time of Asr beginning from the shadow being equal to its object to the shadow being twice the size of its object might be two hours. There might be a two hour gap. So the time for Asr in those days might be two hours. For example, the time for Asr enters upon him. An hour later he still hasn't prayed. Whatever's happened, this has happened, that has happened, he's been delayed, he hasn't prayed yet. But it's okay, he's still got an hour left yet before the shadow becomes twice the size. Not the necessity time, the actual legitimate time. There is still an hour of the actual legitimate time left. Then he dies. He suddenly dies. So that person now, do we say he's sinful or not? Because technically he should have followed the sunnah and prayed at the beginning of the time and he would have prayed it before he died. But he delayed it. And as a consequence of delaying it, even though he was still within the legitimate time, he ended up dying before praying it. So do we say that was his own fault for having delayed it and therefore there's an issue upon his head? Or do we say, well, technically he was still within the legitimate time. He could have prayed it if he'd have lived a bit longer. Which of the two do we say in that situation? It's similar to uh, a woman who begins her period. Perhaps the time for Asr it enters. An hour later, the woman still hasn't prayed due to other jobs, etc., whatever it might be. There's been a delay, she hasn't started praying yet, or she hasn't gone and prayed the Asr prayer yet. There is still an hour of legitimate time left, and the period begins. So is it upon her, when she purifies herself, to have to pray Asr again or not? No. No? No, because they've got intention to make up for it before the end time. 
so they are still within the legitimate, <coughs> time, mm-hmm. legitimate time, so they can still make up for it. So they still have the intention to pray within that time. So, so she doesn't have to make it up. That's what I was referring to the one before. It's about the same situation. A person dies or a woman starts a period. There's, a, there's one hour of legitimate time left for Asr. You can say one of two things. You can either say, well, it's their fault. They should have implemented the sunnah, prayed at the beginning time. One hour they let pass and they didn't even pray it. The time had started for an hour. Why didn't they pray it? They left it so long, the woman started a period. And said she couldn't pray it then. The man, he died. He couldn't pray it then. So is it their fault for having done that? They should have used the beginning time as is the sunnah and prayed it. Before the period started, before death came to him. Or do we say, well, actually, in fairness, the legitimate time, as the sunnah indicates, is two hours. So technically, it was within their right to pray that prayer in that second hour at any point. Legitimately, that was the time, and it's okay to do that. There's no sin upon a person who does that. They've missed out on implementing the sunnah, but there's no sin upon a person who does that. It's a legitimate time for praying. So which of the two do you take? The second position. <laughs> MashaAllah. Shaykh Fawzan. Uh, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan. <coughs> ta'ala, he says, The first opinion is, la That she doesn't have to make it up. A woman who, the time for Asr, it begins. An hour passes by. There's still an hour to go, but then the period begins. So now she can't pray it. Afterwards, when she becomes pure, one opinion is, she doesn't have to make it up. Because, Technically, it was completely permissible for her to delay the prayer and pray it in that second hour. The time for Asr is from the shadow equal to the shadow twice the size of the object. Anywhere in there, you can pray it. And it's legitimate time to pray your Asr prayer in. So if she was delaying it, then she was going to pray it in the second hour, for example, in this example, where the, hour is, where the time is two hours for Asr to Maghrib, or to the uh, shadow being twice its length. If she was going to pray it in that second hour at some point, but then the period came, that was within her rights. Technically, the time is legitimate. So some of the scholars said there's no issue upon her. The time was legitimate and she was still within that legitimate time. So there's nothing upon her and she doesn't have to repeat that prayer afterwards. Al-Qawl al-Thani, annaha taqdiha. The second opinion is that she does have to make it up. She does have to make it up. The one who menstruates does have to make it up. And that is because, as we said, the time had entered. The time had entered for the prayer. She should have prayed it. The fact that she delayed it and delayed it, even though it was still in the legitimate time, the fact that she delayed it and then the period started so she couldn't pray it, that's her fault now. So then she's got to make it up when she purifies herself. That's the second opinion. And the Shaykh says, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, in Majmu' al-Fatawa, he mentioned these two opinions. Uh, and the first opinion is the opinion of uh, Abu Hanifa and Al-Imam Malik. That she doesn't have to make it up. Uh, Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik, rahimahumullah ta'ala. And the second opinion is from Ahmed and Ashafi'i, rahimahumullah ta'ala, that she does have to make it up. Then Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan, hafizahullah ta'ala, in his opinion, in his explanation, in his opinion, he says, Al-Qawl al-Awwal arjah. He says the first opinion is given precedence and it supersedes. The first opinion is better, or stronger, or given precedence. Because she delayed the prayer, but was it permissible or impermissible for her to delay the prayer? The time for Asr from the shadow being equal to it being twice the size of the object is, for example, two hours. Is it permissible? Permissible. 
for an individual to delay and pray it after one hour thirty or one hour forty before the time of necessity enters. Is it permissible or not? Or is it haram? It's permissible. So then the Shaykh says, based upon that, because it was permissible for her to delay, how can we hold her accountable for something which was permissible for her to do? So therefore the Shaykh says in his opinion that because the time is extensive, there is that uh, legitimate time to pray in, and it's permissible to delay it anywhere in that time, even though it's better to pray it at the beginning, then based upon that, the woman does not have to repeat her prayer. Because it was not her choice, she intended to pray, it was in her intention, she was going to pray before the time exited, but the period came upon her, and so uh, the Shaykh says, in his opinion, there is no prayer upon her, to repeat that prayer afterwards. وَكَذَلِكَ مِنْ مَاتَ وَقَدْ دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ وَقْتُ الصَّلَاةِ وَلَمْ يُسَلِّ also the person who dies. Person who dies, there's two hours to pray Asr, after an hour he dies and he hasn't prayed yet. Same thing. It was permissible for him to delay. That's something permissible. He could delay it and he did delay it. A permissible act. And therefore again, he's not held accountable for that delay and there's no sin upon him uh, or that prayer upon him. And we'll conclude upon that point. And the next ahadith concerning the prohibited times of praying will begin with next time inshaAllah ta'ala.